Amen. Let's stand all over the house this evening. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you in worship. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done for us today. We thank you for the beautiful day that it's turned out to be, even though it's a little cold, but that's okay. We love you, Lord. We love everything you've done for us. We pray that you will continue to bless us, give our minister the words you would have him to say tonight, that we can use it in our hearts and take it and use it for thy glory this week. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. At this time, will you greet those around you in the Lord? We have some folks visiting us from CLM tonight. So will you just greet them today in the name of the Lord?
praise the Lord. Turn it into this temple to give you glory, Lord. Lift you, Lord. again and go right back into worship. Let's take together the one day we shall wear a robe and crown. Let's worship the Lord.
Oh, Lord, we love you today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Bow down before him. 
bow down, so we'll bow down before him. Let adore him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Band, let's just stay in that key today. Let's just sing this chorus together. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together
love you today. Father, we are so honored to be in the presence of God. Father, I know today that the weather has been a little misty, a little rainy, a little unbearable, a little cold, uncomfortable. But God, Lord, we are in your house and gathered with your people today. And so, God, we are a blessed people. God, we are humbled to be in the presence of Almighty God, where we can bow down before you and we can love and adore you. Father, today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that every note that has been played and song that has been sung and message that has been given, Father, would be for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And Lord, as we get ready here in just a moment to break the bread of life, I pray, God, you'd speak to our hearts in such a powerful and special way that when we leave this place, we can be changed, we can be challenged, we can be chastised, we can even be possibly convicted by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you would let this remaining portion of service be for the advancement of the kingdom, but directed as only you see fit. Father, I give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. Ken, if you'll just take a little bit, I'm getting a little bit of a squeal in the stage monitor with this microphone, just a little bit of it out, just so it doesn't squeal in my ear, if you don't mind. Thank you so much. Just a little bit higher up there, if you don't mind, just a smidge right there. That will be perfect. Thank you so much, guys. I know it's difficult to hear back there, but I don't, it's a little squealing while it goes, so I don't want to blare anybody out. I do say, I want to say to... We're so honored to have some of the ladies from the Hannah House at CLM with us. So can we give them a, a hand of welcome tonight at church? We're so glad they're here today. If there's any other folks here that we are first-time guests uh, that has not been here before, we welcome you to church as well and honored that you are here. As many of you probably know, if you don't know, you probably have figured it out as of yesterday. We uh, are on Friday and yesterday people were celebrating what is known as Veterans Day. We honored those that have faithfully served. And this morning, if you were in our service this morning, you saw where we recognized those who had faithfully served. And we honored them by standing and giving them a hand of appreciation for all that they have done. Tonight, I want to look at something, though, a little unique. I want to tie all of today's festivities. And I didn't know who was going to be here. I, I just went with what I felt the Lord wanted me to say and do. And we're going to kind of put a bow over the entire package of today. And uh, so glad to have Brother Larry back. He made it back from Jacksonville, and we're so glad he made it back today as well. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24 says this, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and he has followed me fully, this was God's promise, I'll make sure to bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. That is an important statement. You're going to find that out in a minute. That is a very important promise of God. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you about honoring spiritual veterans. Not just physical, the ones that have faithfully served in the military in the United States or around the world. But what is it like to honor the men and women who have fought the fight of faith and honoring the spiritual veterans in our lives? Let's pray together. Eternal Father, to the best of my ability, I ask that you help me today to preach your unadulterated word. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay, that it may be your words spoken, not my words heard. And God, that you would allow this word to permeate and resonate 
into the hearts and lives of those in this house. Those watching online, let them feel the same spirit of God that we have felt in this house this morning and even into tonight. Father, we know your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the task it was sent to do. And so, God, that's what I'm asking you to do tonight. Let your word accomplish the task which you have it assigned to do. And I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And together the people of God said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. Honoring spiritual veterans. I have heard it said before that if you aim for the moon... And if you land among the stars, you will still be on higher ground than where you were before. What I have learned that makes veterans in the earthly sense so special is that many men and women that are considered veterans, they have risked it all. They have served with all. They have given their all, not for the sake of notoriety, but for the sake of love and country. They have found themselves to be heroes among humanity. They have found themselves to display courage among cowardice. They have been men and women versus girls and boys. They have become believers among the doubters. When we aim high anywhere we land, spiritually speaking, is higher than we are now. One tragedy in this life is that so many people are easily satisfied with mediocrity and they never rise above the opportunity to become better than what they are today. One of the reasons I love ministries like CLM and I have the privilege of, of teaching some of those classes is because our goal when we're there is we want to take somebody where they are but not leave them where they are. We want them to get to a better place or go to a higher dimension or plane spiritually than where they were the day we found them or they found us. That's the goal. While it is true that all of us can't be the best, it's also true that all of us can be our best. You may not be the best preacher. You may not be the best singer. You may not be the best uh, musician. But that doesn't mean you can't be the very best you God called you to be. There are people even in this house that can play the drums better than others. There are people that can play the piano or the organ better than others. There are people that can play an instrument that are sing better than others. In fact, I am not, you know, uh, so high and mighty that I don't realize there are people that some in this room and some that have been, graced our pulpits in times past that probably are, from an eloquent standpoint, a better speaker and communicator and preacher of the gospel than I am. But I cannot be Billy Graham. I cannot be Dr. Tim Hill. I, I cannot be Ray H. Hughes. I cannot be some great uh, theologian or, or some great scholar like D.L. Moody or, or, or Charles Spurgeon or Billy Sunday. I can only be the very best that I can be. Brother Larry might have 12 guys that can play the drum, but he can't play like everybody else. He has to play the way God called him to be. Listen, what I'm here to tell you is that each one of us can always be the very best of who we are, even if it's not the best in the room. We can still be the best of what we are. Our text today involves a man who was willing to aim high and be all that he could be for God. He wanted to be the best version of himself he could be. This man's name was Caleb. In my reading today, it correlates with a passage out of Joshua chapter 14 where Caleb is an 85-year-old man. We're not talking about a young man. 
We're not talking about a guy that's still in the season of prime of life. He's not in his mid-twenties or early thirties. He is not a man that is just beginning to figure out how to start a family or start his career. He is a 85-year-old grizzled vet. He's been around the block a time or two. He has seen some things in his lifetime. But in Joshua chapter 14, we find out why this man is truly so special. The story is centered on a place called Gilgal. They are having a meeting. The Israelites are having a meeting. They have conquered the land. They have, if you will, crossed over to the Jordan, the Jordan River into the promised land. They have ridded, if you will, some of the enemies of God in the land. And in this particular story, Joshua is now giving out the divisions of land. He is telling everybody, to the tribe of Judah, you're going to get this parcel of land. To the tribe of Issachar, Manasseh, Ephraim, these are the lands you will get. While Joshua is dispersing the land, there still remains some of the land that had yet to be conquered or claimed. As Joshua is beginning to divulge who gets what parcel of land, there were many youngsters in the crowd. No doubt they were there like so many people are in our society today for a handout. They just wanted something out the deal. Look, I, I'm not here to offend you or to upset you or to, to make you, you know, I know Jesus sometimes said when he comes in the latter days, when he comes, he's not coming to bring peace with a sword and he'll divide families against families and some things of the gospel may to a certain degree offend people. I'm not here to say this to you to sound offensive, but there's a lot of people in our world just looking for a handout. They don't want to work for it. They don't want to earn it, but they want to get it. They don't care if you work for it. They don't care if you pay for it. They don't care if it costs you something as long as they get the benefit. Look, I understand people need help from time to time. Don't get me wrong. But I also think there's a lot of people that could better themselves and help themselves that choose to not do so. The reality of it is Caleb was not standing there looking for a handout. Oh, there were some youngsters, I'm sure, there. My great-grandpa fought in the war. My grandpa fought in the war. My daddy was one of the original 12 spies. My daddy was one of the original 12 tribes. My daddy was so-and-so. I have direct descendants, so which parcel of land do I get because my daddy owned land? No doubt there was some like that. They wanted what they thought was theirs. You had never seen such politics in all your life. Everyone had their personal interest and agenda. But while all of this chaos is going on, Caleb slips his hand up. An arthritic, frail hand to some lifts his hand out of the crowd and says in a somewhat feeble yet strong as ever voice, Joshua, I want that mountain. Understand what's happening. Israel was equated with this voice. Oh, they had heard this voice before. They had heard it at strategic times in their history. There had only been two men among them that had ever been around long enough to even be considered a grizzled vet. How do I know that? Because all the men that Joshua and Caleb had served with had died. Only those 20 years and younger crossed the Jordan. 
Some of those 20-year-olds had never been in a battle. They had never seen the devastation of war. They never knew what living in slavery looked like. They never tracked across hot deserted sand. They had never seen waters flow out of rocks. They had never seen oases and wildernesses. They would never fought battles like Joshua and Caleb. In today's society, some of us are privileged to live in the United States where we've never seen the devastations of war. But for all those men and women that stood up this morning and have stood up all across this nation today to say they have been in service. They have seen things you and I can't imagine we'd ever see. But they were there. That's why PTSD is always at an all-time high. Suicidal rates among veterans and people like that sometimes are astronomically higher than those uh, that have never served because they've seen things you can't imagine. They've been there. They fought the war. They saw it all. These youngsters hadn't seen it. Caleb remembers quail in the wilderness. Caleb remembers poisonous serpents for murmuring, complaining in the wilderness. Caleb remembers leaving Egypt to find this promised land, but wandering aimlessly, it seemed like, in hot desertous temperatures to try to find this land. Caleb was there. Caleb was there when Moses said, I need someone to check out the land. Caleb was there when rocks were opened up and oases were formed and water flowed in the middle of nowhere. Caleb had seen it all. He had lived it all. He was a grizzled vet. They had been on the initial spy team to bring a report back to Pastor Moses and the people of Israel. He had seen how the unbelief of ten men was able to sway an entire 1.5 million plus people not trust God it only took 10 people to convince over a million people to not follow God 10 yet Jesus took 11 guys and he flipped the entire world upside down don't uh, misunderstand the power of just a few there are multi-million people there are billions of people on this world Jesus took 11 guys and flipped the world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ Ten people swayed a nation. There's more than ten people in this room. If ten people could sway the nation away from God, there should be 30 people that could sway the nation back to God. But what do we need? Spiritual veterans. People that have been there, that have fought the war spiritually and seen it. You see, there were doubters. Caleb has requested, give me this mountain. I'm sure many of us have heard people say before, the phrase, you're asking for trouble. In, in a literal sense, Caleb was asking for trouble. Because you have to understand, Caleb wasn't asking for just any mountain. You go back in Joshua 14 and you begin to read what mountain he asked for. I'm going to give you a quick snippet, but I, I want you to go home and read it when you can. Caleb was asking for a mountain that nobody else had fought in yet. So the terrain was unknown. Nobody had been on that side yet. He was asking for a place called Mount Hebron. That's the mountain he wanted. But according to the Bible, Mount Hebron had what was called the sons of the Anakins. The Anakins were not your average people. These were known as sons of the giants. They were massive people. They were the equivalent of Goliath of Gath. They stood high head and shoulders, nine and ten feet tall in stature. An 85-year-old man is asking to go fight against ten foot tall giants. 
That all they do, the Anakins were known to be ruthless in war. They were actually master torturers of their enemies. And yet an 85-year-old man says, I got that. I can handle that. It would be the equivalent of some 75 or 80-year-old grizzled vet that has served in our wars to sign back up and say, you know what, I served in Nam, I served in the wars, I'm telling you right now, send me to Iraq, I'll finish this thing today. That's what the equivalent was like. We would laugh at someone like that today. And no doubt Caleb had his naysayers as well, but he said, no, 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 I'm going to do this job. I had the privilege yesterday of going to the University of South Carolina's football game. I told you that this morning yesterday in the brutal rain but yesterday they were honoring the veterans and they had the band play all the patriotic songs the mighty sounds of the southeast they played all these patriotic songs and they were honoring and they started out with a gentleman that had served as a gunnery sergeant and they he was i think 65 70 years old man some some kind of older guy he wasn't like super super older but he had served in the war then they had a guy that was about 80 years old an african-american guy about 80 years old and then the camera panned to a guy that was about as skinny as Brantley is, and stood probably no taller than I was, and had every wrinkle known to man. And they began to read his list of how many uh, medals, Purple Hearts, he occurred. He had served in multiple wars, and he stood on that field at 103 years old. But yet when, they, when he had the opportunity to speak, he spoke with such clarity as if he was still as sharp as a tack. No, no walker, no scooter, no cane, no wheelchair. For 20 minutes for this program, a 103-year-old vet stood there just like this. 20 minutes without moving. You see, I, was, it, was it comfortable? No doubt, no. In the pre, 48 degrees with rain, yet with his bill of his veteran hat soaked and rain pouring off the bill and no doubt probably could have ended up with pneumonia or something from all the different elements of his age and as it poured down he didn't move because he remembered all of the sacrifices that he had lived and he had done and he had accomplished he stood there and up in the bowels of the upper deck began this cheer and ovation where about 400 to 500 army and, and military men that were serving at Fort Jackson and other places stood up in the upper deck and began to scream and to shout and before it was all said and done everyone in an uproar and an applause because that man had been places none of us had been there are people in our churches that have fought spiritual battles none of us have ever fought and they are the only reasons we're still here today because they were the ones that fought the battle just like that man fought in World War II and, and other places and fought battles for us to have the freedom to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in here today. There are grandmothers and great-grandmothers that have prayed over you that you don't know about. They've fasted over you that you don't know about. They're still praying for you. They've, they may have passed on and their prayers stored up. They have waged war with the devil. They have prayed hedges of protection around you. When you were out in sin, living any old way, God spared your life and didn't let you die because somebody was fighting a war on your behalf and seeking God on your behalf to make sure that you didn't die in the, armed of, in, the, in the heat of battle. This is what happens. That's what Caleb was doing. He said, boys, I've been there before. I've seen this before. But I know how to beat them. I know how to beat them. I can do it. You see, he was asking for trouble. No task was too great. No challenge too demanding. 
See, God is still looking for those mountain movers and climbers today with a Caleb-esque type spirit. So what is a spiritual veteran look like what is this we say pastor what are we honoring spiritual veterans what is their characteristic i'm going to give you four things quickly that you can see in every spiritual veteran that we should appreciate and honor first thing is we have to realize that they are men and women of trust they're dependable in the physical sense when you join an armed force branch, whether it's army or navy or or the marines or the coast guard or whatever air force when you join you join a family, a brotherhood, a connection. Because when you go to battle, you've got to trust the guy on your left and the guy on your right do their job so that most of you, if not all of you, come back home together. And if the guy on his left fails, he doesn't just jeopardize his life. He jeopardizes your life. You have to trust. No man, no woman left behind. We don't leave a man behind. We don't leave him down. You trust. We talk at CLM Men's House all the time. We talk about that when you go in somewhere like that, you end up with a brotherhood. You meet people and you connect and you stay connected. It becomes a brotherhood. I've heard countless testimonies at graduations with the Hannah House and, and the Men's House where people talked about, I, I came with, with little family to no family, but now I've got here and I've got a sisterhood and I've got a brotherhood. I've got family. You, got, you learned how to trust one another. But spiritually speaking, a spiritual veteran will teach us how to trust God at all costs because they've been there, they've done that, they've got a t-shirt and they know if God can't do it, it can't be done. They know God never fails. They know God never turns his back. Now some of you that are here won't know who this is, others of you here will. But every Sunday I get the privilege, of two seats from the front, seeing a 94, 93 year old man, a grizzled vet, every Sunday come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday morning on that second pew. Is his step slow? Yes. Is his body frail? Yes. Is his mind still sharp as ever? Yes. Does he still dress to impress? Yes. Is he, is he as young as he used to be? No. Will he still climb a ladder and try to paint and fall off of the ladder? Yes, he will. I'm going to tell you one thing I do know. You want somebody that has talked to God, you call him up. He'll talk to God. Because when he says, hello, God, God picks up the other end of the phone and says, hello, Bill. He knows him on a first-name basis. As a friend talks to a friend, he knows him. See, what you've got to understand is you and I, we are standing on the shoulders of men who have talked to God so long, they're on first-name basis. God doesn't look down and say, hello, he calls him by name. Hello, Bill. Hello, Alma. Hello, so-and-so. He knows their name by voice. Caleb had proven his trust in God by being one of the original spies that said, we can take the land. Now, that was back in the Exodus. When all the people came back murmuring and complaining, saying, we can't do this. And they were getting ready to revolt against Moses it got so bad Joshua and Caleb said we can and some of the people agreed and the other ten said we can't and it was about to split the church it was about to cause mass confusion Ken I don't know if you can pull up Exodus 30 and uh, 13 and 30 Exodus 13 and 30 for me the church is about to split in half 
It is not Moses that fixes it. No, 13 and 30. I'm sorry, I told you wrong. Chapter 13, verse 30. Moses was not the one that kept the church together. Caleb did. Caleb did. Watch what this says. Here's just a moment should have it on the screen. I want you to see in Exodus, I believe it's chapter 13. It should be verse number 30. It's in there. Is it not in there? Okay, then I've got it. I've typed it in there wrong on my paper. But I've got it. Let me find it here. But I'm going to tell you what it said. When the people were getting ready to revolt, and the people were getting ready to, if you will, split right down the middle. Moses is at his wits end. He doesn't know what to do. The Bible says that it was Caleb that stilled the people. Numbers 13. I somehow typed it wrong. Let's go to Numbers 13 and 30. I somehow typed it wrong. Shows you human error. Moses is not the one fixing the problem. Moses is sweating. Moses is like, oh God, I'm about to split this church right down the middle. Oh God, the state overseer is going to take my church. I had a million people. Now I'm going to drop it down to 500,000. That's a 50% loss. I'm in trouble. Caleb quieted the people. He said, we can do this. He calmed the revolt. You know how he could do that? Because he had been in enough battles with him and God that he knew if God said it, it was doable. So Caleb spoke on behalf of a mouthpiece of God. Hey guys, listen up. God's with us. Now you know the story, they still didn't listen. But it was Caleb that spoke up amongst the people and said, God's got this. He was a calming presence. In Joshua 14, he tells Joshua, I have wholly followed the Lord. If God be with me, I can take this mountain. How? He trusted God's ability. He had seen God do it before. He knew that God could do all things. Philippians 4.13 tells us I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do it, but God can. He knew that God, he trusted God's agenda. He knew if God wanted it to be done, it would be done. But if God didn't want it done, it didn't matter how hard he tried. It would not be done. See, too many people in our lives today, they want to make the plan. And then they want God to stamp the approval, but never ask him about the plan to start with. See, the way people live their lives today is, okay, God, I've already mapped out how I want this plan to go. I just need you to say, okay, and stamp it. But we didn't bother to invite him in the planning process. God doesn't stamp his seal of approval on a plan he's not involved in. But he will stamp his seal of approval on plans that he's actively involved in. You see, the reality of it is, in this moment, in this secrecy, in this time, there is this calming assurance that Caleb brings to the table. He understood that. He understood that if God is not in it, there's nothing, there's nothing going to accomplish. There's no story to be told, no victory to be won. The second thing you'll find about veterans, spiritual veterans, not only are they trustworthy and they trust God, they are some tenacious people. They don't give up easy. In the military even today. The military is not designed for weak-kneed people. Weak people, cowardice people. 
You're going to be in the military in today's society. You're going to be in battles that you don't have a choice but to fight and fight for survival. You've got to persevere. And I'm going to tell you spiritually, the devil will send things your way that you better learn how to fight and keep fighting the good fight of faith because he won't quit till he takes you out. And you've got to decide you're in it to fight. You've got to fight. Pastor, I'm not combative. Pastor, I'm not a fighter. Well, you're going to find out real quick the devil will love to have a field day with you. You see, Caleb was, had a level of tenacity about him. Caleb never fell victim to the, ah, you know what, I guess that'll just do. It'll be what it is. You know, it is what it is. It'll, you know, it's fine. No, 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 no. He didn't have that syndrome. He had already walked 40 years in a desert. Oh, sure, Caleb, 85-year-old man, sure, he could have sat back and said, you know what, I've already been through too many battles. I've been through too many struggles. I, I've, I've seen a lot. You know what, I, I can live off my past experiences. I can live on the past blessings of church gone by. I can live on the past blessings of prayers from mamas and grandmas. You know, I've, I've been in this thing long enough. I can just, I mean, I can survive till Jesus comes. I mean, let some other young person take it from here. I'm too old for I'm too old to be teaching Sunday school. I'm too old to play in the band. I'm too old to sing a song. I'm too old to give a testimony. I'm, I've let somebody else. I'm too old. My season is over. My season is done. I'm, I'm good. I'll just settle here. That wasn't Caleb's attitude. Caleb's attitude was, no, no, no. This, this, this won't do. I'm not settling for anything. He knew God had more to offer, and he wanted to find out what all God was offering. Notice that we find times in our lives where God will give us resting seasons, but there are times where God doesn't want us to rest. He wants us to keep pushing forward. You know, if churches nowadays get to a point where they get complacent and settle, they'll die. They'll die. If they stop giving a mission, they'll die. They stop giving to the widows and the orphans because pure and defiled religion before God is to take care of the widows and orphans. If they don't give to others that are less fortunate than them, their church will starve out. God will, will if you will, remove his hand of blessing. And over time, it may take 10 years, may take 20 years, may take 30 years. But at some point, it will become Walmart, Dollar General, or a gas station, and the church will no longer be there. It will cease to exist. When a church stops praying, they'll lose the power of God in their church. They won't see salvations anymore. They won't see people live a sanctified and a holy life. They won't see that because the power of God has left the building because they no longer pray. When the church stops fasting and believing God for more and they settle in the land of complacency, they will begin to regress to the point of isolation and to eventual extinction. God never designed for his church to be complacent. He designed for the church of the living God to be active and alive and constantly on the move. Constantly going forward. Many people over their lifetime has tried to accomplish the goal of, asc of ascending to the top of one of the most iconic peaks of all time known as Mount Everest. Which stands at a staggering 29,032 feet high in the air. 29,000 feet from base to peak. That's a staggering thing to think of. Many people have tried it, but they failed to accomplish that task. 
1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay achieved the goal of being the first to climb that summit. That's pretty cool. And most people remember them. But as I was doing some research, I am not impressed with that. I am impressed they were able to accomplish that goal, but that's really, they're actually not that impressive. Not near as impressive as a guy by the name of Eric Wahenmeyer. Eric Wahenmeyer, in 2001, he climbed Mount Everest to the top, bottom to top. So, Pastor, why are you so impressed with him over Sir Hillary and Mr. Norgay? Because they did it as professional, active mountain climbers. Eric Wigenheimer did it as a blind man with no eyesight. That's impressive. It's one thing where I can see the goal. It's another thing when I don't know where the goal is and I'm walking by faith and not by sight. I, I, I think it's a great that, that, that Hillary and Norgay was able to do it, but they at least could see where they were going. Eric Wingenheimer could not see where he was going. He just had to keep sticking it in the ground. He didn't know. He might have had somebody with him say, okay, we're at 1,000 feet, we're at 2,000 feet. But he never could see the goal. He just had to keep climbing. He had to keep going until someone said, whoa, 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 we're at the top. We've made it. Can I tell you that's what it is to be a child of God. There are things in our lives we're not going to be able to see the goal. But there are men and women that are spiritual veterans that they have seen places we haven't seen. But they're able to stand beside us and say, I know you can't see the top of the mountain. But if you walk by faith and not by sight, just keep going. I promise you God's going to meet you on the other side. God's going to bring about a victory. God's going to save your loved one. God's going to restore your marriage. God's going to bring your children home. God's going to restore your life the year that the caker worm and the lotus worm took from you God will restore it just keep going because God's going to meet you there you keep going by 2008 Eric Winnenmeyer had climbed seven of the highest summit peaks one on each continent of the world whatever in each continent was the highest peak he wanted his goal to do all of them and he did all seven in 2008 that's impressive but you know what he was tenacious he would not let his blindness and disability stop him from from the potential of greatness that's what spiritual veterans do they don't settle for mediocrity they keep pressing on because they know there's more ahead if God's with us we got more ahead let's say how, how tenacious people are about a month ago we were after, after church I was standing at the back door, greeting people like I always do. And my 93-plus old seasoned grizzled vet come walking by and said these words, Pastor, when are we breaking ground on the new church? That particular Sunday, we had about 80 people at church. I said, Brother Barnes, I don't know. He said, well, Pastor, just letting you know, I don't have much time on this earth. I mean, my time's getting shorter, so if you want me to help build this church, we got to get rolling. I'm thinking to myself, it, I am not putting an 80, I'm a 93-year-old man up in the roof, hanging, putting hurricane clamps on the roof and hope he fall, don't hope and hope that he doesn't fall off the top of that building. But you know what he's saying? There's more to be done. And if I'm here, let's build it. That's tenacious. I mean, 93, and they want to build million-dollar million dollar buildings and paint it. You know, I may not can hang in the roof, but I can paint the building. 
you're 93. How about you just CEO? Sit in a chair, drink a cup of coffee, and tell all the other guys you're doing it wrong. Go do that job. That's the better job. There's countless people every day trying to get that chair. You know, but he is tenacious. He has that tenacity not to settle. The third thing I want to point out to you, though, is seasoned veterans and spiritual veterans. They learn that you got to be in it for the long haul. They have tenure. They've got wrinkles on the brow. They've got crow's feet under the eyes. Every, they have more cracks on their face than a sidewalk that's been busted up by a sledgehammer. They have been places. But every wrinkle tells a story. Every crack tells a hurt, a heartbreak. Every furrowed brow and every crow's feet and swelling of eyes tells a story of a tear that was shed. You've seen some people, you look at them and you think, God, they have been drugged through a ringer. You know what? They probably have. You don't know what they've had to walk through. They look that wrinkled and messed up because they've been in some really tough situations. Nobody has found the fountain of youth yet because if they had, all of us wouldn't look like we look. I'd be the first one in line so that I could get rid of gray hair. I don't really care about anything else. I can get gray toe hair all I want, but please get off the top of my head. People see that one. Just want that one to go away. I've often said, I used to say, I don't care if my hair turns gray. I just don't want it to turn loose. Now I'm getting a little selfish. I don't want it to turn gray or loose. I don't want either one. It's ridiculous. I'm pulling them out left and right. I pull one out, four more, come back the next morning. It doesn't make sense. I got a haircut. I looked down on the floor at Miss Jeannie's the other day, and I said, there's more gray than black. She said, preacher, you're getting old. I said, you're not cutting my hair anymore. seasoned vets you know what Caleb at 85 years old you know what he's really telling people when he's asking Joshua for the land you know what he's telling people I've been in this thing long enough to know better but notice what he's saying I want that mountain you cannot take a mountain overnight the people that have climbed Everest the people that have done those types of things they don't do it in one day it takes lots of time preparation planning to accomplish said feet. What Caleb is saying is, I'm not dying till I do it. He's in it for the long haul. The old timers used to say it, I'm in this thing for the long haul. I'm in it either way. If I go, I'm in it. I'm in this thing for the long haul. I ain't going nowhere. I'm in this thing for the long haul. Sometimes that long haul is 10 years. Sometimes it's 20 years. There are some people, they've been praying for lost loved ones since it seemed like Jesus was on this earth and they've lost count of how many years but you know what they're still in it for the long haul I, I don't know how many years but I know I had the opportunity one time to just sit at a table with Wendell and Mary at an event and I asked her one time and they were talking how many years she prayed for God to get Wendell's attention and look at where he is today God got his attention now it, it, there might have been days she thought my God, how long are you going to take to make this happen? But God made it happen. He made it happen. She was in it for the long haul. I've often said, people say, Pastor, I'm, just, I, I'm getting tired. I don't think I can pray anymore. And I keep saying, but what if tomorrow is the breakthrough and you stop one prayer short? What if you're right there on the cusp of a breakthrough? But you quit right at the edge. What Caleb is saying is, I'm not just going to take the mountain and say I want it and then tomorrow go, yeah, I changed my mind. I'm going all the way. I'm going to do this thing. Tenure. 
He's walked in the, the wilderness for 40 years. He has been through tough seasons, rough seasons, plowing seasons, sowing seasons, cultivating seasons, but he knew harvest season eventually had to come. He's been in it long enough to know. He's not just announcing, that's my mountain, and demanding it within hours. He's saying, I'm in this thing for the duration. Victory requires climbing and blood, sweat. If you're not willing to stay in there for the long haul and see it through, you'll never see the fruits of your labor. See, what I appreciate about spiritual veterans, man, they don't quit. How do I know that? This morning, how many was the total today? So how many? 46. 46 people today. Now, I know some had to work, so don't get me wrong. I know some were at other churches speaking for engagements. Appreciate that. I know there are a lot of people out, but you know who is all. You know who just about every group, age group, my largest group of people in this house today were. You want to take a guess? My seniors. My seniors were my biggest group today. The 55 plus group. It's pouring down rain. My brother-in-law, who was here this morning, played the drums for us. Who's in? Who's 31-ish or 32 somewhere in that window? He's old. Old enough. Got three coats on, got a sweatshirt on, walks outside, cranks his truck, comes back, stands on the porch, won't come back into the church and goes, it's freezing out here. We're getting the church. Easy. So I'm saying, we had some young people, don't get me wrong. But if you look at the sheet of who came today, my 55 plus made up the overwhelming majority. You know why? Because it didn't matter if it was raining, snowing, Ice cold. They were coming because they weren't coming for no other reason but to be with God. Tenure. They're in this thing for the long haul. They're not going to quit on God because God never quit on them, so they're going to stay with God. They're not getting you know how. You know what else? The fourth thing that makes them, Tanner, go to the fourth one for me. This is why you, I love this about old people. They're tough. Man, they're some tough old birds. I mean, people like Bill Barnes falls off a ladder 10 feet in the air, lays on the ground for about four hours so somebody finds him. And they want to take him to the hospital. He say, oh, no, I'd be all right. You could have broke every bone in your body. Next Sunday, he comes to church, and he says, hey, Pastor, I'm going to go paint. I was like, they're going to find out. He said, well, then don't tell them. I'm like, that's not how this works. Tough. Fell off a ladder three days earlier, and we're going to go do it again. Just not tell them we're going back on the ladder. I'm like, You're, they're going to kill you if you keep doing this. I'm just telling you. He said, oh, they won't find out. They're not going to get out there and do it. They're tough. The seniors today and others. Brave the elements to come today. When I when, when I'm not saying just our church, I know it's universal. You know, and I call a, a church work day. I call a family fest. I call events. I get a lot of people, but you know who always seems to show up? Seniors. Kitchen help, the seniors pull through. I mean, yeah, we get young people, don't get me wrong. We get some folks that come in. But you never see my seniors go, you know what, Pastor, I don't think I can help y'all. Pastor, I know y'all are having Thanksgiving next week, but I, you know what? It's a lot for me to bake and have to serve. So I, I just don't think I'm going to come. I, it's just a lot on You know what they do? They do it anyway. You know how tough they are? I'm not going to tell you how old Miss Ann is because that's really none of your business. If you want to know that, you ask her. She has a heart attack-ish type event, cardiac event, seizure event on one Sunday. Next Sunday shows up to church. If she was 35 years old, it would take her three months to recover and not come back to church. Hello, preacher. That's good preaching if you're not church of God today. 
Because if you're 35, you stay home and you milk it. Oh, Pastor, I would, but, you know, they don't know what's causing the seizure. They don't know what caused the cardiac event. So, Pastor, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to lay low for a while so they can get the medicine regulated. Not understand. With or without the pill. I would come on Wednesday, but I can't drive, and it's probably not a good idea. But I'll see you on Sunday. Wait, wait, you're still in the hospital on Monday in the hospital. Yeah, I know. I'll be there by Sunday. Don't worry about it. I'm getting out of here. You don't know that. Oh, I'm getting out of here. You know what? Tough. That's tough. It's tough. You know, next Sunday morning, if the Lord's willing, the creek don't rise and he doesn't return, who's going to be in that kitchen helping make sure we pull off this event next week? Miss Ann. You know who every week? Three or four hours a week, make sure you have a clean bathroom, a vacuum floor, tithing envelopes in the pews, all your mint papers that you've left in the pews thrown away because you're too lazy to put them back yourself. Hello. Man, I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling anointed right now. I'm feeling real good. And my teenagers, I love them, but my teenagers don't come after school and pick up your trash. That lady picks up your trash. Comes in on a, sometimes on a cane clean the bathrooms and I can't get 25 year old people to pick up a piece of trash off the ground by the water fountain that they dropped. They dropped the mint wrapping paper and watched it lay there and go well somebody will get in and walk past it waiting for her to pick it up on Thursday. That's good preaching. You don't like it but that's good preaching. You know why? Because they're tough. They're tenacious. They have tenure. They love God. That's what season, that's what spiritual vets do. Miss Carol, I, I'm gonna die before it's over with. You just better come play, play some elevator music to save this service. I come out here sometimes on Fridays, and no one knows I'm coming. I hear worship music playing. I hear prayer happening in the building. I hear vacuum cleaners coming. You know what? It's not 35, 40, 45, 50 year old people in here worshiping God, praying over your pews. It's seniors. I know people have to work. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just giving you examples of why we need to honor these people what they do for the kingdom of God. On Wednesday mornings when I have prayer meeting in here, I know some people have to work. I get that. But you know who takes time out of their schedules to pray for your lost loved ones, your children, your grandchildren, your husband, your wife? My seniors show up to pray for God to move on your behalf. My seniors do that. People like Beulah Powell, Miss Ann's come, Miss Sandy, Miss Nina, Miss Joanne, the list is in here. They, co they come and pray. They seek God. Brother Wayne, he don't look that old, but he's over 55. But he can count. Count. You know who braves the elements on Sunday nights to come to church? People like Alma Furby. Two or three weeks ago, 84 people came to church. There's probably about a 50-50 split between 55 and older and 55 and younger. I can almost count unless God has returned to earth or Alma Burbage is in a coma, she'll be here on Sunday night. Why? Because she loves God. What I can't bake on is my 30 or 40 and 50 year olds coming back sometime. I can count on her. Even if nobody else wants to hear this preacher's messed up sermon, Ms. Alma's going to suffer through and say that's a good sermon even if it was junk. My wife half the time don't want to hear what I have to say. Miss Alma will listen. She loves God. I know she loves God because my sermons aren't always that good. She loves God to tell me they're good. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you. There's a reason we should honor the spiritual veterans in our churches. Most of them are the reason we have lights, because they pay tithes. Hello. That's good preaching, preacher. People my age, they'll tip God. People their age will tithe to God. My age will give God a dollar, 
just because that's all I've got and loose change in my pocket. They'll write a check to make sure God's kingdom advances. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, the reason we have lights, the reason we have clean facilities, the reason we have what we have is because there's been men and women who have been seasoned vets of the faith. Just like we honor all the spiritual leaders. I mean, the physical leaders, we all should honor the spiritual veterans in our churches. You know why I have a pulpit to preach in? Because a man that's over 70-something years old right now started this thing, built this thing, and even though his, if you will, season of pastoring, not ministry, but pastoring is up, you know how many times he's been behind that pulpit and prayed for God to send the right man for the next time? Or had all-night prayer meetings in this building with people like Joel, uh, with Bill and Joel Powell and others like Miss Jeannie's parents that have been. You know how many times he's probably anointed some pew, some piece of wood in this building that God would advance again. You know why we're still here? Because some seasoned vets prayed us here. We honor those people. You know why I still have the ability to preach the gospel for people like Laura Mae Skipper who was homebound that every Sunday would pray for this pathetic preacher knowing that that little old church as Bonnie would call it, that little old church is going to be something one day. So her and Laura Mae would just pray God would help this little old church do something someday. They're already gone but their prayers are stored up in vials in heaven keeping us floating down here. That's what's happening. I honor those people. Now I'm going to close so that you all I'll come back next Sunday and hear me preach on Thanksgiving, and I get that. But if you do come back next week, we have food, so that's good you can look forward to. But what does is, what is these spiritual vets have? They have tenure. They're tenacious. They're tough. They'll trust God at all costs. Caleb said, I'm 85 years old. Tanner, if you'll throw that scripture in numbers that I had originally. But this is my favorite part of this. Caleb had a different spirit about him. He was, there was something different about him. I'm going to tell you right now, senior citizens have a different spirit about them than young people today. They worked harder. They fought harder. They certainly, they have a different spirit. They do more than young people do. They all outwork young people today. They have a different spirit within them. But I don't want God to just send us physically seniors, but God, I want you to send us spiritual veterans that know how to have a different kind of spirit that can say, Pastor, we can take that mountain. Pastor, we can build that building. Pastor, we can pray for lost loved ones. Pastor, it may take all our strength. We're 80-something years old. We're a 40-year-old spiritual veteran. We're a 50-year-old spiritual veteran. We're a 65, 70-year-old spiritual veteran. But we still know God's got mountains for us to take. That's the people we want. So let's, So this is how I'm going to close. If you've been saved longer than 40 years, I want you to stand. If you've been saved, I don't, I don't know if anybody's here longer than 40 years. If you're a 40-year saved vet, 40 years. Be careful because some of y'all are going to tell your age. Miss Jennifer got saved at one. She came out in the womb with John the Baptist, already ready to work for Jesus. Look at this real quick. Look how many people standing in this room. They, not, they may not be 65, 70-year-old people. They've been walking this journey of faith for over 40 years with God. They've seen some things the rest of us ain't got a clue what they're going to use. They've been some places. Now I'm going to go 30. Anybody been 30? Anybody 30? 25? 20? 20. Yeah. Look at that. 20 years. Some of these people got saved when I was just in high school. Ninth grade, 15-year-old boy. 
is people giving their heart to Jesus, and I was trying to pass Algebra 1. To be honest with you, it's probably their prayers that got me through Algebra 1, too. Look at that. Now, I didn't ask them to stand based on how old they were. I asked them to stand on how long they've been on this journey with God. You look across this room, that's a quiet, from 20-year-plus saved people. This is a pretty good crowd standing. These are the people we stand on their shoulders. These are the people we look up to. These are the people when we go, I don't know how we're going to figure it out. They come alongside of us and say, Pastor, we've walked this road before. God gave us mountains before. He'll help us take mountains again. We'll climb it. Don't you leave. We'll climb it. Now, here's what I want to do. If you are standing, I want you to come right up here with me. I'm not going to lay hands on you and lay you in the floor. Don't. I'm not going to do anything to you. You're just going to face the people. Just stand beside each other. Face them. Let them see your beautiful, smiling faces. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to testimony. I'm not going to do anything sketchy. Some of y'all, as soon as y'all heard me say, come up front, y'all went, oh, Lord. Look at this group. We've got them from young to older and seasoned. Not old, they're just older and seasoned. We've got people in this room that have dark hair, some that have gray hair, some have been on this journey so long, they have no hair on this journey. We've got them from shortest to tallest. The reality of it is, it is a wide spectrum of grizzled, seasoned, if you will, spiritual veterans standing before you. Some that are not in their 70s and 80s, some of them that are in their 50s and 40s. They've loved God. They've trusted God. They believed in God. Now, for all of you that are sitting in these pews, the reason we're here is because of men and women like them. But the reality is there's going to come a day that these men and women won't be able to do that anymore. Their mountains will be done climbing. Their conquering will be done and over. The reality is, is who's the next group that's going to be the grizzled seasoned spiritual vets? Because if you're sitting in this house today and you're not where you need to be with the Lord, or you're not there yet, your goal should be one day to be able to stand up here so that future generations can see where you've come from and how God brought you through just like he brought them through. Before I pray the prayer of faith over them and over you, I want you, those that are sitting, I want us to give a hand of appreciation to our spiritual veterans that keep us going in the Lord. So here's how I want to close out. I'm going to pray for them, then I'm going to pray for you, and then Brother Mike's going to pray that you get to get out of here and I don't have anything else to say. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the men and women that stand in this house that have been on this journey of faith north of 20 years, some 30, some 40 plus. You have been faithful to them. You have walked beside them. You have encouraged them. You have bore them up. You have kept them strong on the faith. God, I honor them today for the heritage they have given us, the landmarks and legacies they have left behind for us to follow. We stand on their shoulders and we honor their efforts. We honor their prayers. We honor their labors of love for the kingdom. God, if they're still, Lord, as they are still able physically in their body 
God, I pray you give them that rejuvenated spirit like Caleb. Let them still be able to conquer mountains. Let them still be able to conquer uh, 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 spiritual victories. Let them still see miracles. Let them have a different kind of spirit within them to still see great and mighty wonders and victories at the hand of God, wrought about by the hand of God because they have been faithful to say, if God said it, I believe it, it can be done. Give them strength to still keep carrying on. For every person sitting in the pews behind me, Lord, I pray that one day you make them spiritual giants, spiritual vets, men and women of the faith. I pray you help them to one day grow to become the next wave of spiritual veterans that have walked this road with you. Father, I pray that you would let their hearts come into a direct alignment with Jesus Christ. Before I turn this with every head bowed and eyes still closed, before I turn this service to Brother Mike to close this out in prayer, I want to ask one question. Is there anybody in this house that says, Pastor, I've heard what you said about honoring these men and women of the faith, but I'm not in a right alignment with God, and I am not a part of the family of God, and my faith is not aligned with God, and I'm unsaved. I don't know Jesus. I want to one day be one of those spiritual veterans, so I want to pledge my life to Jesus Christ. No one looking around. That's you today. Will you just slip your hand up? Pastor, pray for me today. I want to be that person. I want to one day be that. Anybody today, God bless you. Father, for every person that's been in this house today, heard this word today, let it not fall on deaf ears, but let it, God, take residency. Permeate, saturate, let it take root into their heart that they cannot outrun words they've heard this day at the morning or in this evening service or both let the hand of God remind them consistently and convincingly of the words you've spoken today father may you bless us and keep us make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us lift up your countenance towards us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard our hearts until you come again and let the words of our mouth the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight O Lord our strength and redeemer pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And as you remain in a season of prayer, in reverence of prayer, I'm going to ask Brother Mike King to close us out in prayer. And immediately following this prayer, you'll be dismissed. God bless. Brother Mike.